My name is Ed Hires. I'm one of the pastors here at Shiloh. And we'll be continuing our series today called Pre-Decide. And the title of our message today is Just Round Up. I'd like to preface this message by saying what I'm going to share on, I started to learn about roughly 48 years ago. I had great mentors, great teachers. I studied the Word of God. I came into this message believing that, you know, I have a lot that I already know that I can share. But as I started to dig deeper into this and I started to read the Word of God again and, and, and plow into this, I realized, boy, do I have still a lot to learn. And uh, so hopefully uh, some of this will, will bless you. I was reading an article this week entitled 35 Plus Amazing Advertising Statistics for 2022. And here are some of the stats. U.S. advertising in 2022 was $261.1 billion. $171 billion of that was digital advertising. 65% now of all advertising you see is coming digitally. U.S. companies alone spent $56 billion on social media. So let's go back to 2007. Travel back with me. No Instagram, you know, no, no Venmo, no, uh, no uh, Cash App, uh, no Netflix originals. How did we live? <laughs> 5,000 advertisements on average per day, the typical American citizen saw. Go f- now f- advance forward to today, double that amount. Between social media, which we didn't have, bloggers, influencers, 10,000 advertisements on average per day the, the American citizen sees. But, but the fact of the matter is that's not good news. Studies after study have shown that the more we see, the more miserable we become. Because every working moment we're reminded of what we don't have and what we think we need to be happy. And the pervasive message of most of these ads is that you'll only be happy if you get more, if you accumulate more. The good life requires you to have the new iPhone, a pair of expensive shoes. By the way, I've recently met someone that that paid $275 for a pair of loafers. He didn't even get laces. So I decided I'd look and see, is that really expensive like I think it is? So I went online. You ever heard the word Ferragamo? Okay, well, they make a loafer that is $2,200. Wow. But there's good news, free shipping. (laughs) Now, for the ladies, I don't know this for a fact, but this is what I've been told, that ladies, to be happy, need a pair of Lululemon leggings. That's what I've told. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've been told. All right? I don't, uh, my wife doesn't have a pair of those, so I'm not sure. Um, you see, Jesus, Jesus had this, this counterculture message, and it wasn't something he had. It was something he has. And here's what Jesus said in Acts 20, 35. It's more blessed to give than to receive. In fact, that Greek word entitled blessed, can actually be interpreted happy. In other words, you're happier when you're generous. You're more joyful when you're giving. You're more fulfilled when you give. You're blessed when you give more than you are when you receive. 
Jesus said this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, Paul says, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. You know, I know what so many of us would say, Ed, we know that. You know, and most of us here, we love to give. Most of us, many of us would love to give more, but you felt like I felt for years. You feel you just can't do it right now. And that's why today's message is entitled, Predecide. It's all about becoming, ready for this, irrationally generous. And I realize you can be generous in many ways. But for our purposes today, we're going to talk about that generosity and how it applies to our money. See, in our Pre-Decide series, we're talking about the power of our decisions because the quality of your life and my life is many times the culmination of the decisions we make. We're learning about that instead of waiting until you're in the middle of a crisis or the middle of something blowing up, that, that you don't let your emotions take over. You are pre-deciding in a number of areas we're sharing on before that happens. So today, hopefully, we're going to pre-decide by the grace of God that it is more blessed to give than receive. And how do we become generous givers? So, why in this area do you really need to pre-decide? Because no one accidentally becomes irrationally generous. Doesn't happen that way. No one ever, just by chance, stumbles, for example, into paying the rent for someone you know who can't afford it, or buying something for someone they can't afford. Or maybe it's funding a ministry sacrificially that you love and that you feel God has put in your heart. Maybe you're going to send someone on a mission trip. Maybe you're going to even pay for a long-term missionary. And as you start this giving journey, you find that more and more of what blesses God is blessing you as you partner with him. So here's the important point. No one stumbles into irrational generosity. More commonly, we tend to think we want to be more generous, but we just don't think we can, at least not right now. See, we tend to think when I have more, I'll give more. But what we need to understand is that's not how generous people think. Because generosity isn't about what you have or don't have. Generosity is all about the heart. I know this is true because I've seen poor people who give more than I could have ever imagined. And I've seen poor people that are not willing to give at all. I've seen rich people that you couldn't get a nickel out of if your life depended on it. And I've seen rich people that have changed the world through full-blown strategic and passionate generosity. And that's why it's important for us to learn how to be generous now. Because if we're generous now, that's what will happen in the future as we grow in this understanding. But if we're not generous now, chances are very unlikely we'll be generous later. Jesus had a parable was about a rich man, if you remember it, in uh, Luke 12. And he had a great increase in his wealth. 
Now, did he say, hey, I've been so blessed. Let me see where I can give a lot of my increase to those less fortunate than me. No. What he said in Luke 12, 18 is this. He said, I know I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and all my other goods. And then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. If you know that story, you know that didn't end well for him. See, this same thinking, though, continues today, just like in Jesus' time, because more money doesn't make people more generous. So here's another important thought. If you want to be generous, if you want to be generous when you have more, learn to be generous when you have less. And to do this, because it doesn't happen accidentally, you have to predecide. And hopefully this message will help you do what I know I want to do, and that is to be more generous. But many times, again, we just feel we can't. And again, at least not now. So we're going to look at two principles that are part of most every generous person's life. And we're going to hopefully decide ahead of time that we want to be this way. So the first one is generous people plan to be generous. Most of us have learned to give this way. You see a need, and sometimes you meet that need. Or you see a sad story, and you do something about that sad story. You see sad pictures of malnourished dogs all in a cage, and you want to free the dogs. Or you go to a fundraiser, and someone motivates you to give, or maybe they guilt you into giving. And so you give a spontaneous gift. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those. Well, the guilt probably isn't a good idea. But that's not generosity. That's giving. And there's a difference. And again, to be really clear, those are good things. You want to give. Giving honors God. But giving is not the same as generosity. Here's the difference. Generous people, they don't have to be gilded to give. Generous people don't need to be inspired to give. Generous people don't need to be reactive. They don't need just give when they see a need. They don't just give when they have something extra. Generous people have a plan to give. Isaiah 32.8 confirms this. It says, but generous, people do to do, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. See, now what's funny about this is most people don't realize that you all have a financial plan, all right? You may say, Ed, no, I, I don't have a financial plan. But the truth is, most people, most people do. And their plan primarily is to consume. If there's something we want, we get real strategic. I'm that kind of person. Now, I'm not a data guy like Greg, but when it comes to buying something, I will go online and search and research and look at the reviews, how many four stars, five stars, three stars. It's embarrassing, all right? But you're laughing. How many people? I want to go ask for a raise of hand. Uh, But see, generous people don't only plan to consume. They consume, everyone consumes, but generous people first plan to give. In fact, when you become generous by nature, what you're going to do is you're going to strategically and prayerfully design your life around generosity more than consumption. It's not something you do as a reaction. 
It's a strategy. It's a mindset that you're prayerfully asking God, how can I make a bigger difference? How can I maximize what I'm able to give? How can I be a blessing to the people around me? So the key is this. It's not just spontaneous. It can be spontaneous, but it's certainly not most of the time. And it's not emotional. It's much more strategic. It's not just random. It's intentional. See, we have predecided to be generous. Like I said, most everyone has a financial plan. May not be a good plan, may not be written, but it's a plan. And it looks a little like this. God gives you something, maybe you get paid or you get an increase, you get a bonus, or you receive an inheritance. And your first move, what most people do is this. They tend to spend on things they have wanted but couldn't afford. And sometimes, perhaps they spend more than they uh, actually received, go into debt a little bit. And because they spend more than they make, you lack margin. And if you spend all that you make, you lack margin. And then you worry about money. But you know what? I do believe most people would like to give, but they just can't, at least not now. Maybe someday. See, we need to understand that this is not a money problem we face in, in America. It's a spiritual problem. We're trusting in things rather than putting our trust in God. And what generous people do and what you can do is you can break that cycle. Not accidentally. You have to do it strategically. See, generous people break the cycle by putting God first. See, Jesus said it this way. Seek the kingdom of God right above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, I have people say, God doesn't give you what he wants. He only gives you what he needs. That's not true. Okay, many times God has given me what I want. But when I don't get what I want, I need to believe God had a reason why I didn't get what I wanted. He may know that was going to take me down a bad path. He may know that I really didn't need it. So I don't seek first the shoes, okay, the countertops, the car, I seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I put him first. I think of him first with my finances. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Don't ever think that God doesn't care about your materialistic life. That's not true. But he cares, first of all, who you're putting first. See, my story on giving began with my spiritual mentor, Jack Hartman. I would watch Jack be in all kinds of terrible situations and and give. And and I remember going in one time, Jack wasn't much of a a, financial statement guy, but I went into Jack one day and said, hey, Jack, we really had a bad month last month. You're going to get hit really hard financially this month. I hope you're prepared, which I know he wasn't. And he said, well, Ed, the only thing we can do is give more. And I said to my wife that night, Jack is going over the edge. (laughs) So he gave more. Don't ask me how it happened. (laughs) But somehow or other, he made it through that month. And all the other months where it looked like 
he was in trouble. See, Jack taught me about this thing called tithing. And, and it's from the book of Malachi, and where God says, you know, give me 10% off the top, your first fruits, and, and then watch how I bless you. So give me the top 10, spend the 90, and God says, you can test me. One of the only times he says this in the Bible, you test me, and he'll confirm his word, he says, by blessing us back abundantly. Now, true confession. When Jack told me that I needed to give 10% of my income, then I knew he was crazy. Okay, that was not, that was in no way going to happen. And, and I said, that's ridiculous. In order to do that, I would have to rearrange my life and put God first. <laughs> what a dumb idea, huh? I would have to strategically look at my life and arrange it, not around my wants, but around God and his priorities. And you know, it's almost as if God could foresee that that man would have a problem in this area. See, because it is that only time he says, test me. Now, over the years, I've learned that while tithing was part of the Old Testament, the New Testament went beyond tithing. A New Testament is all about being generous. It's not about being obliged, okay, or being commanded. It's about realizing what Christ did for us and we respond generously. We no longer give because we have to. We give because we want to. But why do we want to? Because God is the ultimate giver. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his one and only son. What an example. See, when you truly start to recognize it's more blessed to give than to receive, it changes the cycle. It changes your priorities and the trajectory when you predecide to put God first, to put his priorities first. So the normal cycle is like this. God blesses you. You spend the blessing. You lack margin. You get freaked out. You worry. And you end up living paycheck to paycheck. See, again, I believe most would genuinely like to give but they just don't feel like they can give more. So what do you do about this? How do you break that cycle? Well, you pre-decide to give God first. You change the way you live in order to gain margin. And let me tell you, it starts slow. You know, you're not gonna, most of us can't just go out and write some big check. You may, you may be able only to give a small amount at first. But then maybe God blesses you financially and instead of using it for more, you give. Maybe God helps you see, Ed, you don't really need this or that. And whatever I paid for this and that, or whatever I'm paying for this or that, I can put it back into his kingdom. And he actually will make you okay with giving that up, whatever it is. And what does he do? By blessing you one way or another, that builds your faith. You see something happening. You feel better. Suddenly, rather than being worried, you're giving more. You're more generous. You realize you don't have to have a lot to give a lot. Giving is what you do. It's what I do. Generous is who you are, who I am. It's a mindset that takes place when you put God first in everything. When you pre-decide to put generosity over consumption. See, we're not 
only going to give any longer when it's convenient. We're not going to give to God when we have some left over. What we do is we give God our first and our best, and we trust him to bless the rest. We predecide and put him first. See, I've seen some people that have said, you know, Ed, I'm going to give a certain amount every month. I'm going to give $50 a month. That's what I can afford to do. I'm going to give $50 a month to somebody. And every month, it's a plan. They've planned that. Every month, they gave $50 to bless someone. I've seen other people that have said, Ed, I'm going to increase my giving 1% a year. Another way that we can do that. But here's a story that motivated me. This is, this is back in my very early stages of, of Christianity and giving. And his name was R.J. Letourneau. And he was a man who went from debt, started small amounts of giving, to where he ended up every year giving 90% of his income and 90% of his successful businesses, their value. So Letourneau was one of the most unlikely people in the 20th century to ever be successful enough to do this. From humble beginnings with only a seventh grade education, he taught himself engineering and eventually built a manufacturing empire. See, the decision to give his earth-moving machines that he built actually helped us win World War II. And when you go around the country and see all the roads, R.J. Letourneau started to build the highway infrastructure in America. The decision to give 90% of his personal income and stock in his company was the result of a previous decision made when he was 30 and deeply in debt. He wanted God to be his partner. He believed he could get to a point where he would give 90%. Letourneau was quoted as saying when he created his partnership with God, that God was getting a sorry specimen of a partner. (laughs) When financial success came over the years, he believed he was a debtor to God, my testimony. And he had a plan. His plan to give so much of his wealth away was not a flash of generosity. It was a logical progression to a plan that he had. Letourneau was the one that said this, because you've heard it before. The question isn't, isn't about what I do with God's money. It's what he, well, let me rephrase that. The question is not how much of my money I give to God, but rather how much of God's money I keep. So what would it mean if you and I recognize that God is our business partner, regardless of whether you're self-employed or employed, God would love to be your financial partner. What is money to you and me? Is it a measurement of our self-worth? Or is it a tool for serving God and helping others? Letourneau was also quoted as saying this, I shovel out the money and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. So that's number one. The second thing that generous people do, generous people always round up. See, we all go out to eat, right? We go out to eat. And and when we go out to eat, normally we leave a tip, right? How much do we normally leave? See, 20%. How many people don't leave 20? Don't raise your hand. Okay. Some people leave 10. Some people leave 15. Some people deduct the tax before before they leave. Some people tip based on how good the server was. But the world says 20%. But what if, what if you wanted to bless your server with 
irrational generosity? What if you decided to round up whenever you feel that you could be generous? Maybe you round up to the next $5, maybe to $10, maybe even more than that. So I can tell you from personal experience, when I do that, they're blessed. They're blessed. They think much better about humanity. Servers are treated very poorly a lot of times. See, most of the time, it really won't affect your financial position or mine, but it blesses them. You see, what if you prayed every time you went into a restaurant before you tipped and said, God, what do you want me to do? How much do you want me to round this up? See, that's a plan. And that's what generous people do. They plan, they round up when it comes to their giving. Who remembers the story of Zacchaeus? All right, remember that? Remember the song we used to sing? I won't sing it, but I'll read it to you. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree to see what he could see. So if you don't know that story, here's who he was. He was a wicked crook and he stole from people. That's who he was. But then he met this life-transforming grace of Jesus and decided not to just give back, but to give back and round up, way up. And Zacchaeus said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of all my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount, 400% roundup. You see, Matthew 5, 40 and 41, Jesus taught this principle. If someone takes your coat, give them your really cool jacket as well. If someone says, go a mile, round up, go two miles. See, the next time you're contemplating how much to give in a situation that you're, you're led to give to, do what generous people do, round up. See, all of what you've just heard has been changing my heart for many, many years, but it continues to do so. Because by nature, I was a stingy person. What I didn't realize then is I didn't have a money problem. I had a spiritual problem because I was trusting more in what I see, more in what I saw than, than trusting God. As the saying goes, inch by inch and row by row. So God started to teach me about his economy. And start, I started by giving a certain percentage. I became aware of the fact in time that I was supposed to be used as a funnel to get God's money to other people. Um, that he would put people on my path and direct me where to bless and where to give. I needed to go from being a giver to learning how to be generous. And God proves himself faithful. I started to be able to go above that percentage and give offerings. And then Barb and I were involved in starting a church with three other couples. And see, I had to learn that lesson because what would happen in order for that church to grow and flourish, a group of us had to give a considerable amount of money so that it could grow and flourish at that time. We had most people were, that were attending were, were not of means and not able to really give what it would take to continue a ministry of that size. We became the largest non-Catholic church in the state of New Hampshire and definitely would not be the case today. Um, here's the thing. If you want to be generous when you have more, you have to learn to be generous when you have less. 
You have to pre-decide. See, when you become generous and you're giving, I promise you, you're going to be happier. You're going to be more joyful when you give. But I do promise you this. It won't happen by accident. Generous people plan to be generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. They're not willing to wait till later. Because of what God did for us and the gift he gave us, we need to predecide. And I would say this, I am going, this is what I hope you can say, and I'm saying it. I am going to be generous. I am going to round up. I won't just give. Giving is what I do. But generous is who I am. I pray that God will help you strategically plan and design your life around the concept of spirit of financial generosity. Ask God to show you prayerfully how you can strategically make a difference in your world, those around you. And thank God in advance, believing you will find joy unspeakable, knowing it's a way, way, way much better, much better approach to life to be blessed giving than receiving. Remember, a goal without a plan is a dream. Now, some of you here are generous, but many of you here would sincerely like to be generous, but you're not in a financial position today to be generous. Well, I realized something after preparing this message, that I definitely need a bigger plan. I thought I was doing pretty well, actually. But I may not be able to where I think God is calling me right today But if I plan strategically, I think I can get there. And maybe that's you today. You'd like to give, but you don't see how. Well, I know God looks on the heart. So here's the question for today. Would you be be willing to ask God to help you get a plan? Can you ask God that when you have extra money, you don't go on Amazon You go to prayer, and you say, God, I got $30. I don't have something I need to spend it for. What can I do with that? God, I have $300. God, I have $3,000. And maybe every once in a while, you have $30,000. You don't start at $30,000, and you may never get there. But you start with whatever you have, but you make a plan to put God first. I can't emphasize to you enough that if you spend what you get and give God what's left, you will never be a generous giver. It doesn't work that way. What's the goal for today? The goal isn't to share with you, you need to be generous. The goal that I believe God put in my heart is for you to leave here today with some specific commitment that this week, Sometime this week, you're going to sit down and look at your finances and say, God, how much can I give to bless your kingdom? Or you're going to say, God, what can I stop consuming that I don't need to consume so I have additional funds to give to you? I'm not asking you to give to Shiloh. I'm not asking you to give anywhere specifically. I'm asking you to change the cycle in your life. To trust God that he can help you change the cycle in your life. 
So here's what I'm going to do. God convicted my heart on this as I studied. My wife and I talked about some, you know, serious, somewhat aggressive plans that we might look to do. And, and I want to raise my hand today to answer the, the request I'm going to make of you. This week, sometime this week, will you just sit down with your spouse, if you have one, maybe with, you know, whoever, and would you ask God to start to give you a plan, no matter how small, a plan strategically that you're going to give this amount in different ways, however that is, but you're going to do it, and you're going to do it on a consistent basis. So I'm going to pray for you. Now, let me, let me explain something to you I learned a long time ago. When I'm in a service and something hits me, I have a moment of opportunity there. When I walk out the door, a lot of times I don't even remember what that opportunity was a day later. So I'm going to ask you today that if you, I'm not asking you to give. I'm asking you to prayerfully go before the Lord and ask him how and what kind of a plan can I make, Lord, to be more generous, to be more strategic. So I'm raising my hand to pray for myself. Would you raise your hand if this week you're willing to just ask God, God, would you give me a plan? Just give me a plan. Look at those. That's right. Praise God. Father God, you see these hands. You see my hand. Lord God, it doesn't matter how much you give. It matters that we want to be like you were by giving your son. We want to be generous, Lord. And we want to give the first fruits. Father, give us a plan this week. Help us, no matter how big or how small. Help us, Father, please. Lord, if we were generous people, Lord, we would change the world. We would change the world. We would break this cycle. And when others see how joyful we are, having not going, or not going through the cycle of the world, they would want to join us. So, Father, I pray today for every one of these hands. You know each person. You've counted every hair on their head. In Jesus' name, Lord, help them this week to make a plan with you. As we close, we have the freedom of going home and making a plan. We have a freedom of worshiping today. We have a freedom to be safe when we walk out of these doors. But if you lived in Israel right now, or you lived in Palestine right now, you wouldn't know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. This is God's area. Okay, we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. God's coming back here to that spot. Saints, we can't act like this doesn't affect us. This is a prayer that God has on his heart. He wants his children to be praying. So, Father God, we pray. Oh, Lord, there's no hope that this won't turn out to a horrific conclusion except you intervene. Father, you love your people. You love the Palestinians. But, God, we curse the evil, the evil that is in many of these men and women that are reprobate. Father God, I pray first that you would save them and second that you would get them out of the way. Father God, this is, this is horrible, but Lord, more than our sadness and our shock is our faith in you, that you are a good God. None of this happened accidentally. You weren't surprised by it. God, you have a plan. We know you're coming again. We don't know exactly when that is, but we know you're coming again. We know things like this will happen before you come. 
Lord, we don't know, but right now you said pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray. I pray for Prime Minister Netanyahu that you would give him wisdom and strength and courage, but also constraint to do what he needs to do, but not more. Oh, Father, we don't know the answer, but you do. And we pray for your intervention in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. If you need prayer, we'd love you to come up and pray. If you need prayer financially, come on up. Any other prayers, we'll have prayer uh, members up here to pray for you.